Welcome to The Change, a podcast about the changes in life that can shake, break and make us. I'm Laura, a 44-year-old writer, podcaster and mum who has until recently always loved change. And I'm Cathy, 52-year-old writer, podcaster and mum. And change is actually my kryptonite. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia on which this podcast is recorded and recognise continuing connections to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past and present. Hello, Cathy. How are you? I'm great for, I guess, really, it's late night. Um, Yes. We just... We're getting ready to record. I'm so excited. We're mm. recording with someone coming all the way to us from London. It's the I'm UK, so my hometown, my home, your motherland, the motherland. It is. It's super exciting, and she is someone I've wanted to talk to for a long time. I've written a story about her and her great work. Her name is Jacinth Bassett. She's an award-winning, highly sought-after consultant and expert in the anti-ageism, age-inclusive, and positive movement. At only 31, she is widely recognized as a leading pioneer and voice awarded anti-ageist activist of 2023 at the Advantages of Age Awards and named one of Evening Standards 22 Londoners Changing the World. And she definitely is. She's she's pretty fantastic. She is a founder and CEO of award-winning global campaign consultancy and community, Ageism is Never in Style, and of The Bias Cut, the first age-inclusive independent fashion online boutique. Through her advocacy and entrepreneurship, she has become one of the most exciting visionaries and disruptors leading the way for social change around ageing. We can't wait to talk to her. Welcome, Jacinth. We're coming to you from Australia and you're coming to us. Just tell us where you are. So I'm in London. I'm in southeast London in Greenwich. Well, it's Greenwich. I'm on the cusp of Greenwich and a place called Deptford, which is coming becoming pretty trendy so when I want to sound fancy I sound from Greenwich and when I want to sound <laughs> cool I sound from Deptford but basically I'm on the cusp of the both but uh, but southeast London oh Love wow it. so it's night time here in Australia and it's morning, it's morning. in the UK so it yeah is. it's um taking a little bit of logistics to get this happening but it's very exciting and we're really excited to bring this chat to you Justin you were inspired to create a fashion label called the bias cut after feeling really frustrated that women of your mum's age were really invisible in those big clothing brands. Can you just tell us how you got started in that, you know, world of fashion? Yeah, Yeah, sure. So I was a bit of an unusual um, trajectory, I guess. So I actually studied law at university and I thought I was, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And um, whilst I was studying law, I realised as much as I found it interesting, it wasn't really something I was fully passionate about. I did a lot of work experience and I remember thinking as much as I find this interesting, I'm somebody who I have a lot of anxiety and I'm quite a stressed person. And I thought I'm going to be anxious and stressed about whatever I do. It might as well be about something I really enjoy. And (laughs) so, yeah. And I realized just law wasn't, wasn't really fulfilling me in that way. So I decided I wanted to become I was I was actually president of my university's law society which was run almost a bit like a business and that was kind of what showed me I was more interested in entrepreneurship and having realized I needed to do something I was actually interested in um, I thought okay where would I start if I went into business and I thought well fashion is something that I've loved I had a very I, I mean I have a much more detailed understanding of the industry now but I think even for you know, the average person, I had a pretty good understanding of the industry. It was kind of a, a passion that I used to go to lectures and do lots of reading about and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I quickly was thinking about, but it's, you know, it's an incredibly saturated market. And also I wanted to, you know, there's, there's a lot of positives and there's a lot of negatives to fashion. You know, we know how much fashion has shaped for better or worse our ideals of what's, you know, beauty standards and, um you know, it's, it can be very exclusive. And I wanted to, if I was going to go into fashion, I wanted to do something that had a positive 
you know value to it mm. so um actually my mind just it was late one night it was really one of those light bulb moments where I was studying for my exams in my second year at uni and I couldn't sleep um, my ex who at the time was snoring uh, and um yeah and I, I can't stand snorers and um <laughs> so I went to the bathroom just to get away for a bit and I was literally just sitting there thinking about you know my mind was drifting I think it was genuine like 2 a.m and um I started thinking about my mum and my mum and I have a very close relationship she loves fashion and style always has wanted to you know just look good and be her best version of herself and she she finds she's she'd always instilled in me an appreciation of quality as well and fashion and style being a form of self-expression rather than just mm-hmm. like following trends it's yeah. about it's very personal mm. um and yet she had me at the age of 40 so from my teens we'd go on shopping trips together and so she would have been in her 50s at this stage and I just started I think at the beginning quite subconsciously noticing how she was not finding clothes that she wanted to wear or feel good or there'd be shopping assistants who'd be quite you know, assist, uh, quite judgmental or sneering, mm. sometimes more more overtly than others. Sometimes yeah. it would be kind of subtle. Others actually would be like, that's, you know, you're, that's not age appropriate or, you know, you can't wear that at your age or that's not. And and so that was kind of something I was becoming more and more aware of through my teens. And then when I was thinking about her that late night or early morning, whatever, 2 a.m., I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about how much she was just being alienated by fashion brands because of her age largely and and a big part Mm. of that being her figure as well so we know our bodies change with age naturally bodies generally Mm do and particularly if you had children you've had you know menopause you know she you know if you've had a sedentary desk job things like that your body can change and it's very common and it was just she wanted to look stylish and modern but she just couldn't find clothes that were either flattering but also fabulous and colorful and prints or they were they weren't for her figure, but mm. they were just a bit frumpy and dowdy. So that was really where it all started. I just realized that there was this there was this need to disrupt this idea around what's, you know, what women can and what wear and how much it was an underserved space. Um, I finished my degree. I did about a year, year and a half, two years really, maybe, of research. I did a huge amount of um market research studies survey spoke to loads of different people one instance that always stands out was I went to an event by one of the biggest fashion magazines in the world and it was a public event and the majority of people there though were younger Mm. but I was in the queue for like a I don't know like a makeup thing and a lady said to me I just started chatting to this lady who said I'm six nearly 60 and I've come here because I love fashion and style and a member of staff has come up to me and said, what are you doing here? This isn't for you. Oh, gosh. And so, you know, awful. these mm. it's, it was just such a horrible, yeah. you know, I think it just perfectly encapsulates what so many women go through. Mm-hmm. So um, that was it, really. And uh, eight years ago, well, I started a blog in 2015 called The Bias Cut as a way to build a conversation and to to get this you know I was very conscious also and I'm sure we'll come on to it as 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 I know uh, often comes up I am younger than most people working in this space and around age so I was very conscious I didn't want anyone's you know I I didn't want it to be like a sense of almost I'm telling people what they should and shouldn't wear it wasn't Mm -hmm. about that it was about you know supporting women so um I you know I started this blog and it really built a following and I was quite it was quite interesting, actually, how many women said they really liked the fact that I was younger and had been inspired by my mum. Yeah, and so I that do. Was a, that yeah. was actually a real mm. positive because yeah. uh, I thought it could be seen as a negative. And then um, about uh, 2016, March 2016, so nearly eight years ago, I I just basically used my I did a bit of legal work to raise funds, um, just very, very small startup funds and um, launched the bias cut completely on my own. I did everything, uh, the the branding, the website building, sourcing, everything. I think the only thing I didn't do was take a couple of pictures other of our models, but other than you know, <laughs> other than that, it was pretty much all me. And then, um, yeah, eight years later, it's just it just grew organically and it's just grown. Gosh, oh, how fabulous! It's just yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, I well, love it. Yeah, mix of passion and. And but also interest and and I love that your your mum's you know was what your primary source of inspiration yeah. I think 
that's just awesome. <laughs> and do you know what's funny? People say to her, are you, because... So my parents are both lawyers. Mm. Um, that's not why I wanted to be a lawyer, although maybe sub- again subconsciously I got yeah, inspired. Yeah. But 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 people say to them, my mum, are you disappointed? Well, they don't really say it anymore, but they did at the beginning. Go, are you disappointed? Jacinth didn't become a lawyer. She goes, are you kidding me? I get amazing clothes. Like the problem is, she now complains she has too many clothes. So once upon a time she didn't have enough clothes, and now she's like, I've got too many things. And the thing is, is that we have to, you know, we wear this so much from the bias car. And then my future mother-in-law also is a huge um, supporter and has modeled for us and where so we literally when the three of us go out we have to coordinate what we're wearing because uh. between the three of us we're like we can't we're gonna look like a girl band otherwise <laughs> the I, greatest I feel like girl band. um a market for you to expand into Australia and uh Laura and I can be we models do for you have one day. Love customers. <laughs> we actually do have quite a lot of Australian customers actually but obviously Fantastic. The only, obviously the, the, the northern summer the, the weather thing yes so when we're bringing out our winter collections it's all it's summer for you but it is a, definitely a market that um we've got some amazing um customers in amazing yeah. Just on the process of designing clothes, how mm. do you, are you involved in that as well? You know, you've talked a lot about the business side of things. Do you, are you there coming up with the patterns, sourcing the fabrics? What happens on that side of things? So we're multi-label. So we sell um, the different independent designer brands. So with them, that's a, for me, that that's a buying process. So it's a curation yes. going through their collections yep. and something that we're very you know known for is understanding body shape. So, mm-hmm. you know, we take a great deal of time understanding what's flattering really. And um, we have an incredibly low return rate. It's about 10%, which is really low for online. And I think that comes Amazing. down to the fact that we do actually understand body shapes. And sometimes we do get customers who go, oh, how come you didn't just pick that piece by that designer? And I say, oh, trust me, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then they've actually occasionally gone off and bought it from elsewhere and then come back and gone, yeah, I should have listened to you on that one. <laughs> um, but also I have my two, we have two in-house labels. So, mm-hmm. and these are the ones that then I am more involved in in terms of the actual design process. So I have Jacinth London, which is my knitwear label. Mm-hmm. and that is um I designed that all myself and I then you know I had somebody to help me with the um the sketch the, well I did all the sketching but then you need somebody to help you with the technical packagings and things like that but we did all yep. the sourcing and manufacturing and things like that so that was all that's all um I do all of that and then the other label which is our ageism is never in style label which is more kind of t-shirts and branding and badges and things like that again um, I do all the the sourcing and then work sometimes with some of our other are some of our British labels to help. We did like we've done collections under that brand where we've collaborated with the designers, mm-hmm. so mm. we've kind of co-designed pieces together. Mm. So um, so yeah, it's a very I'm very integrated in the entire process. Mm-hmm. And I also you know even in the cases where we're with the with the designers themselves, with we're buying in, I'll always you know be very much feedback. One of the things I do find quite frustrating is so often is things like putting like a sleeve on something so many of our customers want sleeves it's not yeah. necessarily the case that everyone does and you know we have a filters on our website where you can shop by your body shape and areas you want to cover or hide so for example you know if you want to cover your arms you can find the stuff that or equally there are women who don't want to cover their arms but it is frustrating when I find there are some things where you're just like if you just put a sleeve on that it will become so much more commercial and, and open up more and more people to buying it and actually this is all I talk about this because I also give lectures and talks on the topic of not you know alienating consumers and bringing in different ages it's like a a 20 year old's not going to suddenly not want to wear a dress because it's got a sleeve on it Mm. so it's it's almost bizarre sometimes that they won't cater to these different body shapes because Mm. you know actually I get so many people say to me because one of my rules is if I wouldn't want to wear it at my age why would somebody older have to wear it I mm. should never mm-hmm. be second best now again my figures might be different but it's about the aesthetic it should mm. never be second best and when I you know the first few years of the business and you know I'm sure my friends will admit their own biases were at play here because of what, what it was all about about championing age inclusivity with a particular emphasis on championing women as they get older you know some of my friends clearly hadn't really looked at the bias cup because I'd go out in our stuff and they'd go, oh, I love that. Where's that from? <laughs> I'm going to say my mm. business. 
Yeah. And they would be almost shocked that mm. that they liked the clothes, knowing that the business was around championing aging because mm. of this subconscious bias that essentially was suggesting if someone older wants to wear something, then someone younger wouldn't. And it's actually yeah. completely it's not as back to front. It's so true, isn't it? And there is such, there isn't that bias there. And I, I think about myself growing up and the fact that, you know, the high street in the UK, which is obviously slightly different to Australia, but yeah. there were the shops that my mum would shop at and there were the shops like Miss Selfridge or Topshop that the young people would shop at. And it was right. very, very... Um, divided. Divided, that's right. And mm-hmm. I think, and it's, yeah, it's it has changed. I'm so glad that, you know, women like you are changing it for the next generation so that, you know, young people don't have to have that divided. You can, as an older woman as well, now that I am coming into my midlife, I want to wear stuff that's trendy and interesting and cute. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think my mum said it perfectly when I did an interview of her in the early days and she said, you know, I've always loved style. Why would that suddenly disappear? Yeah. Yeah. It is that. It's not like Mm. you just woke up, you wake up suddenly and go, do you know what? I don't really care about looking good anymore. No. I mean, yes, of course, people's lives change and priorities do change. But in terms of an actual, you know, if you have something you valued and you you get pleasure from wearing nice things and which is nothing wrong with that you know something gets very superficial but again if it's there's so many studies around the psychological benefits of wearing clothes that make you feel good then why would that suddenly just you know disapparate it wouldn't Mm. and oftentimes it's not that you know like you can find the the pretty sequin dress or you can find Mm. the whatever but as you were saying our our shape has changed right you know your size hasn't necessarily changed. Mm. You're still wearing the same size, but the shape has changed and you can't wear the same size. And I find that a lot that I have to size up. Mm. Um, My arms are slightly like they're larger than I would love, but they're perfectly fine. They're functional. They work. They, you know, all of those things. But when you were talking about, you know, having a sleeve on things, my biggest bugbear is that oftentimes they have a sleeve on an item of clothing that might be a size 14, Mm -hmm. but the sleeve is not for a size 14 person. Mm, And then I will pick up a size 10 top that has this ballooning sleeve and you go, there is so much material here. <laughs> what am I? Yeah. How I mean, I think size 14 not fit, but the size 10 does. Yeah. I mean, there's such a problem with patterns and, and sizing. I mean, because there's no universal size standard as well. Oh, and yeah. I think there's a lot to be said around also educating. I mean, I'm very much, I'm very passionate about educating at all levels. And I think there Mm -hmm. needs to be a lot more done at at university and college levels in fashion where, you know, they're taught more around diversity and they're taught more Mm -hmm. around understanding different body shapes. And I think even from my own experiences with manufacturing, what you're also dealing with is sometimes when you're manufacturing in a different country, their sizing is very different to sizing of that. And we might just be, talking you know maybe they size things a lot smaller and so you have to be able to scale things differently and understand that mm-hmm. we all know even within the same brand things kind of come up very differently and it's something that needs to be worked on a lot more to yeah as I say understand these body shapes and pattern cutting and and just in exactly as you say understanding that you know you can be a size but that doesn't mean you're all the same shape yes and so that rather yeah. than treating everyone in uniform Yes, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Especially with with menopause, you just shift your weight in different places, yeah. and, and in particular around your midriff. You know, that's yeah, absolutely something that is very, very common. And I think that's one of the I find as a as a particularly common body shape, and particularly through menopause, it says a lot that there's that's also the body shape that we find women struggle the most with in terms of finding clothes that work on them. My mum yeah. has is what you would call an apple shape which is you know she has a bit of a midriff and and that was very acute I was very aware of that Mm. that she was you know saying and it's something that comes into then when we talk about tokenism and talk about representation in 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 fashion from a visual side of things as I often say in my talks you can put a 56 year old woman in a campaign or on the runway but if she is still of a stereotypical model shape 
that's still not catering to that consumer. I mean, it's great mm-hmm. that there's that representation, but you can't say suddenly here you go with now catering and aware of that consumer because her body shape is not that similar to many other women of that shape. So she can wear that sequin dress with little tiny sleeves or strappy and she'll feel great in it. But most a lot of women don't want to wear that at that mm. age. So it's still not catering to that consumer. Yeah, it's yeah. like Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Aniston look great for women right. in their fifties, but that's they're not representing the average the average woman, no. and that's and that you know it's no disrespect to them, but no, you know, and there's broader... no disrespect for them. Yeah. yeah, and and you know it's great to see. It's one of the things that's been talked about a lot lately, particularly in the press here in the UK, is the use of celebrities, older celebrities, in fashion campaigns, mm. and it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, this. I mean, it's it's certainly progress. We didn't see it ten years no. well. No, you know, yeah. we saw occasionally maybe. Back Back in 2015 but other than that you know it is progress and it's still moving things along mm. in the space around aging and ageism and age inclusivity but it's not really getting quite to the crux of the issue mm. and celebrities uh, what we certainly find is actually a lot of women as they get older who don't don't relate they relate less and less to celebrities mm, so actually yeah. is it really taking into account the older consumer as some people argue or is it actually still just sort of a marketing ploy mm. that is partly actually to more look good but actually get the the columns you know in the daily mail and actually it's still targeting the youngest consumer more rather than really trying to hone in on understanding and target and welcome in that mm slightly mid near the midlife plus consumer yeah that's right because the gap is so wide between right. you know when you're young and you're you know slim which is a lot of young people are if they're relatively healthy they they can probably relate yes as you say closer to that celebrity yep. kind of jenna sort of level the older exactly. you get you know the more the wider the gap becomes but yeah. the less women of that age can relate to nicole and jennifer etc Well, you've just mentioned, well, you previously mentioned your um, Ageism is Never in Style um, campaign and label, which was also yep. founded in 2016. Is that right? It was, yes. So t- it was about six months after. Yeah. The campaign, hashtag I look my age, which was like a challenge, right? That um, women were taking photos and videos with the hashtag I look my age and uh, under the ageism is never in style umbrella and speaking the truth about how the Mm -hmm. age over 50 and midlife really does look. I guess that went viral. It went mad. It went all over the world. Hundreds of thousands, even was it millions of? um... It had millions. Like we, we, when things go viral, it's quite hard to count. But we managed (laughs) to count up to forty-five million um, views. Yeah, that's incredible. But I think that's what we managed to count. So I think it could be a lot bigger than that. Yeah, I mean. That's just incredible, and that has changed. I imagine your life as much as as your brand has it. Um, just tell us about what's happened kind of yeah, since that viral so campaign. It's quite funny actually because it hasn't. So I started ageism as never as you say in 2016, and it was mm. all it was originally under the bias cut. So mm. it was ageism as never style by the bias cut, mm. and it was set up as a community and safe space to really you know talk about aging and talk about challenges and ageism and age inclusivity and just spark discussion and debate mm. and it was originally focused on Facebook and then we moved over to Instagram a few years later in the last few years in itself it was starting to develop its sort of own distinctive voice so we actually launched our first campaign in 2021 called Strike Out Ageism. Mm. And that was with a charity in the UK called uh, Wellbeing of Women, which is a women's health charity. Mm. And that also included these products that we'd work with designers to create. And the whole idea was about taking narratives and phrases or statements that might have an ageist, un- well, actually do, well, they have an ageist undertone, but they might seem complimentary, like saying, oh, you've still got it but we'd actually cross out the still. (laughs) That was our first big campaign. Interestingly, it got a great response on social media, but it was a bit ahead of its time. Mm. And we shared it again last year and it went viral. So it just shows actually how much, you know, if I feel if we'd launched it more recently, it would have had almost as big, you could have had a bigger effect as I look my age. Then in the background, I was also being asked to do more public speaking and do a work with research projects with universities with charities 
And then last year, we partnered with a charity in the UK called Centre for Aging Better to create the first series of free editorial stock imagery of women over 50. So these images that are free to download globally off Centre for Aging Better's website and also Unsplash, the stock Mm -hmm. imagery website. And it was all about improving representation. So that was kind of the what inspired then our idea for hashtag I look my age. It did blow up in the sense that I could never have imagined. I mean, we went from even ourselves on Instagram, I think we had around 8,000 followers to now uh, within the space of, you know, just about well, it's about six months, we're now at 135,000 mm, followers. Wow. So, you know, it went pretty mental in a way that we always hoped, but never, you know, we we couldn't anticipate. I think a big part of it, which we were very honoured by, was how many influencers and people online took mm. part. Mm. It wasn't celebrity, you know, going back to the celebrity, it wasn't celebrity driven. And actually, some people have said to us, they felt that that was a key part of it, was they felt they could take part because it wasn't all about the celebrities. Mm-hmm. And then there were individuals like there's a there's an amazing influencer in the in Australia called Louisa um she's her I think it's her hashed her name is Silver Linings yes. 1970 yep. I think it's yeah amazing she took part mm-hmm. she's been very supportive of us she's taken part we have done other social media campaigns before as well we did one the year before called they say we say and she took part in that as well and so she you know she was really amazing it it was wonderful seeing how many took part because it was all organic you know there was no Mm. budget with this it wasn't paid for everyone who took part did it you know off their own volition but what why I sort of say it's quite amusing is so my mum and my partner both said to me kind of from the get-go this you know ageism is never starts going to be your big thing and I was like oh I don't know you know I, I really love that but I think because to be honest when I started eight years ago, people just weren't really talking about ageism mm-hmm. or aging nearly like they are now. And it, you know, though I faced an awful lot of resistance and and lack of interest. I wasn't sure. And so they're kind of both now like, see, we told you so. <laughs> so, so that's why it's quite funny. But yeah, it's been amazing seeing the response and the viral. And I mean, it's just wonderful seeing people taking part in different languages mm-hmm. globally, all across the world. And and it went on for months. Like mm. we genuinely we didn't know it would go obviously we a didn't know it was going to go viral at all but then to have it literally like and then at one point I think it was in August so we launched it on the 13th of June I think it was I was also on a holiday when we launched it not a good time to launch a viral (laughs) campaign I did not get nearly as much of a break as I probably needed um but it was just too exciting having I was in Greece just seeing my phone blow up Mm. and um and then like in August suddenly somebody shared it um in France on LinkedIn and it yeah. went viral in France. And then we got interviewed by Le Monde. It was just amazing. And it's just been wonderful seeing it just flourish and, and to grow. And, and now ageism has never started as of 2024. It is its own distinctive brand. So we've mm. it's no longer by the bias cut. It is just ageism has never style. And we're now a you know a full consultancy as well, working with brands and organizations, wow. charities who want to be part of this amazing move global movement around in yeah. changing the narrative around aging and wanting to be pro-age and wanting to be age inclusive so it's really just so exciting and I can't wait to see where it's going to go next um I've already got ideas people keep asking me what's the next campaign I've got ideas you know Ooh, good. they're in development at the moment um but yeah it's just been it's been absolutely wonderful and it's been incredibly encouraging also seeing how many people of different ages have have really joined it's one of the things I've find particularly heartening is when we find women who are about you know going into midlife joining following us and going I've been feeling worried about getting older I've been feeling bad about things and actually this is exactly the community this is the tribe that I needed Mm. so that's really really lovely and this year our real focus is bringing more and more ages into the conversation because my view is the younger you become more aware of these ageist biases the better in the sense Mm -hmm. that you can then re-internalize positive views around aging and address them in yourself so that's something that we're really focusing on this year I mean we did a poll the other day where we asked our community when did you start engaging with issues around aging and ageism and inclusivity and I think about 70% said 40 plus Mm. but then 92% said they'd wish they had engaged when they were younger 
And I think that just says a lot. So that's mm. something that we're really focusing on this year in a public way is just making sure more and more people feel that they can become part of this conversation. Because when we talk about ageism as well, a lot of people think ageism means prejudice towards older people, but yeah. it actually is any form of prejudice on the basis of age, full mm-hmm. stop. You can experience just as much ageism when you're younger as you can when you're older. Now, yes, typically people experience it more with age because as they get older because of our youth-centric ideals, but particularly, you know, talking about these generational divides, there's a lot of ageist biases that younger people experience as well. So that's something mm-hmm. that we really want to be working on is bringing them into the conversation as well mm-hmm. so that it becomes a more of a united discussion around the the overall experience of aging, which we are all going through every that's single right. second of every day. So, yeah, yeah. it's just been amazing. It's really interesting that you were saying, you know, that a lot of people started to engage, you know, 40 plus. Mm. And I wonder if it's that they start to engage when they start to feel that bias happening towards them. I think that's but exactly before what it is. It, before it's happening to you, like you're actually part of the bias yourself. Right. And right. then all of a sudden you'll walk into a shop you'll be overlooked by a shop assistant, you'll be standing at the counter and they'll serve the young person behind you mm. um, or, you know, something like that. And all of a sudden it's like, hang on, that's happening to me. Yeah. I never thought that would happen to me. I never thought I would be that person. But mm. it happens in the blink of an eye. But as you say, we need to be engaging with it much earlier than that so that we can make a change before yeah. it's happening. Exactly. I, we did a, I had an interview with a, an actress, a brilliant actress here in the UK called Judy Graham. Uh, she's been on things like Doctor Who, um, Bletchley Circle. She's fantastic. And she's all, she's in her 50s, but she's been quite the advocate for around age and ageism in the entertainment industry for longer than again. I mean, now we see a lot of actresses talking about ageism, but she's been talking about it for a long time. And in the interview, she herself said, you know, I love seeing younger female actors, you know, being successful. I love it. But we need them to also be talking about ageism and aging because it's going to happen to them too. And Mm -hmm. they need to be using their platform. And also, you know, if they're producing a film, they're to look around and go, why are there not that many older women here, for example? Mm. No, why why is the why are there fewer actors? Why is there fewer people in the in the crew? And using their their platform and using their space to actually be a, be an ally and speak mm-hmm. out and help support because I mean it's an interesting one with allyship because as I say ageism can affect all ages so in some respects I'm not an ally in what I do because I am part I'm also aging so I'm also mm-hmm. within it but I also am an ally in that I'm also an ally to women who are older. Mm. So it's kind of a, I have a dual kind of role yeah. and responsibility. When people say to me, why do you care about aging? You know, you're too young to care. Um, I just sort of go, well, would you say to a man he shouldn't care about women's issues? No, mm. we need men mm. to be allies. Would, would you say to somebody who identifies as heterosexual to not care about LGBTQ, AI plus she's no so why is this any different Mm -hmm. you know we should all be wanting to be a part of social you know positive social change and whether you are personally a victim of ageism or whether you're not I mean ageism really is the only ism that every single person can experience but even if you're not personally experiencing it right now you might do in the future and why wouldn't you want to be a part of trying to change that yeah Absolutely. I was thinking when you were talking then about how it's something slightly different, but for women in their 30s, I experienced the kind of similar sorts of ageism around having kids, you know, and and being asked in interviews. Very common. Exactly. I mean, women, one of the things that we're quite focused on with ageism is there and stars looking at women's issues. So we are very much, you know, we welcome men to the conversation. Absolutely. But we are quite a women's issues driven platform and community because women are really never the right age you know in her 20s a woman's often in in the workplace for example a woman is often considered 
juvenile or inexperienced in a way that often male her male peers mm. aren't yes then in her 30s yep like you say you might gonna be have hysteric. a baby you yeah. have a baby no, go on maternity don't get promote her. yeah, yeah exactly she might be off for a year she's yeah she's gonna be yeah. off and then mm. 40s it's pre-menopausal 50s menopausal 60s mm. irrelevant so actually there really is no right age almost mm. to be a woman mm. and <laughs> And, so and men don't experience mm. that in the same way. Mm. Uh, so that's why we do look at that. And actually, I, I, I'm, I feel aging would also really should become more of a conversation in the overall feminist movement as well. Mm because it is this intersectionality, the word we, we give it is gendered ageism. Mm. It's something that really, the more that we can get, again, younger women understanding that they can that a it's their path sadly that they might be going on but also you know they how they can help and support and be a part of this positive change the better and so you know I go into schools and talk to even you know students as young as 11 on it um and so they can really and they and it's actually very encouraging seeing how engaged they are which mm-hmm. is really great because you know it's, it's actually and when I went when I was giving a talk last year to some students it was it's funny with you saying about 30s because some of the teachers came up to me afterwards and went, Oh yeah, I'm like 32 and I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting more and more people to engage at all mm-hmm. ages. And as I say, men absolutely become we want them to be in the movement. But I do think the ages and movement as a whole is being um driven more by women. We're mm-hmm. definitely seeing that. I yeah. think um uh, Ashton Applewhite who's a fantastic she's a real inspiration of mine she's a fantastic activist and in the ageism space the way she puts it is the stakes are higher for women yeah. which is why women are generally m- moving this conversation and the dialogue further forward and with I look going back to hashtag I look my age again we were like we very much women men could take part but it was particularly women who 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 felt empowered by it and wanted to take part and I think that was particularly telling Mm. I yeah. found so many great people to follow through um your oh, good. Instagram. Yes. Yeah, actually we get that a, a lot. People say community. how much they mm. found people. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I absolutely yeah. love. And it really is a community. It really is. I, I don't I find that the term sisterhood a bit cheesy, but it, it really <laughs> is a, a sisterhood in the sense that it is incredibly supportive and it is empower it is an empowering space. And I feel very much as a woman at 31 more optimistic about my future too you mm, know from a particularly yeah. from a very personal position I genuinely you know and I and and what's lovely is my my friends I've got friends of all ages as a result you know I really do have some of my closest friends are 20 30 years older than me but also when I talk to friends my age you know they've said you know you've actually made me feel more optimistic you know these awful 30 under 30 lists which basically oh God, tell women yeah. mm. you've got well te- women and men but basically tell you if you don't succeed by 30 you're a failure <laughs> you know and so many of my friends around my age have sort of said oh, I felt really bad about turning 30 but actually mm-hmm. it made me feel better I mean mm. it's 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 kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Oh yeah. I mean, we we're gonna live, you know, to you know, people are living to the eight to nineties, a hundreds now, and we're told from thirty, it's all downhill from thirty. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And I think the further away you get from thirty, even forty, I'm looking back and going, it's still it's young. It's amazing. Young. You've got so young. much time. It's yeah, it's not. It's yeah, it's not a thing. But I remember being thirty and panicking, and that was mostly right. around yeah, the biological clock. And as you say, the pressures. Right. To, yeah, yeah, it's it's tricky. But on that subject, you are soon to be married to your boyfriend. I am of ten years. So congratulations, yes. to you. thank you. That is a big change. Are there any other changes you would like to make in your life, sort of personally? Yes, I really want a dog and a cat. <laughs> oh. Oh, I thought you were about to say you wanted a baby or something. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. I, I, I don't. I don't see. I don't. I don't at present see children necessarily in my future. Yeah. What's funny is I really didn't think I was a an animal, much like a pet person. Not. I mean, I liked animals as much as anyone, but you know, I wasn't obsessed. And um, during COVID, during the first lockdown, my boyfriend and I got. Um, locked down in the countryside in Oxfordshire with his mum and stepdad uh, we literally went to visit for Mother's Day and lockdown was imposed oh so we gosh. ended up living wow. there Stuck. for five months oh. 
and and as somebody <laughs> who has grown up in in southeast london you know living in the countryside was a big change for me and it was such an an ex, it was such a therapeutic experience and uh, I actually go back there uh, it's like my second home now we go back there every you know at least once a month um they have this beautiful um cottage in the countryside I, I don't think I want to change to the extent that I want to live in the countryside I think I still <laughs> am probably I think I am a city a girl dog. at heart mm. yeah but they mm. had a dog and two cats Mm. and so they became I became their second mum effectively because I became obsessed with them sadly <laughs> Lily their dog has since passed away oh, um oh. but she she was she was 15 and a half she lived to a very good age but yeah. um I'm literally constantly like when are you getting a new dog because <laughs> I need a dog and then their cats have become particularly one of them one of them is sort of Dave my partner's cat and then the other one's my little cat. Um, he's a little, he's a little black cat called Moscow who thinks he's a little panther. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, under my lease in London, I can't have pets. Ah. So the the change I need in my life <laughs> is to get a to move and get a pet. That yes. is what I'm literally like. My heart needs it, and I don't. I think probably a cat first, and then a dog. But I want both. Yeah, but I never gateway gateway animal. I think it's a gateway, and I I never grew up with pets, so it was a completely new experience for me. I think my parents were quite shocked suddenly discovering I'm obsessed with pets. I think even my you know it was almost a surprise in myself, but (laughs) I am now that person whose Mm -hmm. Instagram it's just filled with cats and dogs, and everything is just that. So that is kind of the the big change that I I am I'm looking for in my life but also you know professionally we've talked about you know I'm my career with going into ageism but personally I mean I don't actually see getting married as a big that big a change in some respects we've been together 10 years yeah so it was one of those things where we weren't going to get married and then it became a question of why rather than why get married it was why not get married Mm -hmm. and so we just thought 10 years we'll have a party let's just make it a wedding I realized over Christmas so many people got engaged or pregnant and I had actually booked, we had booked the, and set, got the date, but I just hadn't told anyone. So oh. everyone was like, oh yeah, I think we're going to have our wedding. And I was like, oh, oh no, I better tell everyone. So I was like quickly was sending out the save the dates really quickly. But so I'm not the, I probably the one of the most um, kind of chilled brides there is, but um, in terms of like, oh yeah, guys, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> it's, getting married. <laughs> it's when we're getting married. And I don't have a ring and we don't say we're engaged. We, we jokingly say we're betrothed. So, um, so, you know, right. it's to me really the, the change, all I need in my life, I keep is, is a, is a, is a pet. Yeah. Okay. I'm and trying a new to home. Yeah. A new home so I can get, I think I'll stay yes. in London, but I'm trying to convince the family to, if there's a way we can train the cats to be like the ring cats. Or something. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think I'm work. not sure. Maybe a dog. I'm not no, sure. I feel like no, that's why they I need feel to get like dogs. Do what they like. Right? Yeah, exactly. They'll just... do what they like. I just don't think that's going to work. No. So I'm like, they need to get a dog, and then. But the thing is, ring they also bearer. know if they get rear exactly. But that's that's the main change. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jacinth, we've kept you, you know, for a long, longer than we probably oh, anticipated. I'm sorry. I have so such thank you. a tendency to speak too much. So Not I apologize. Oh, we've got so I'm, much. I'm good stuff loving every, yeah. loving every minute. I know. Of, um, I'm making your... notes and everything. But yeah. um, <laughs> we just always end by asking our guests how they feel about the change, aka the menopause. And we want to know mm. what is your relationship to it? Um, have you spoken to your mum about it? And, you know, have you got any thoughts about how it's going to affect your future and how you want to kind of approach it? Yeah. So interesting. I have I have spoken to my mum about it, but she I think she went through menopause a bit late. She was sort of in her mid fifties. Mm-hmm. And actually she feels that she didn't have a lot, she didn't have the worst experience with it. Great. Um which so, is great. Which is great. And I know a lot of women do, but it hasn't really been a huge conversation in that sense. But what I do feel is I've gone, because of my work, I have gone to an awful lot of conferences and panels and things like that around menopause, which I am so grateful for because I have learned so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am often the youngest person there by quite amount. And, you know, I've learned to do my Kegel exercises. Mm -hmm. I've learned, you know... (laughs) understanding more about perimenopause so I feel a lot more optimistic in the sense that I feel Mm. educated and I do one of the Mm. things that again I've talked before about and I really wish schools would do is you know they're taught 
certainly I don't know in Australia, but I know here in the UK with with women, it, they're taught up to sort of pregnancy and then it just stopped. They're not they're not taught mm. about menopause. Yeah, and I bizarre. really feel like they need to be teaching about that mm. because it's such a I said so I've learned so much. And when I've gone to talks, people said, you know, even I remember a GP even saying, I used to to recommend or prescribe surgery to my patients. And actually it wasn't until I went through menopause I realized I was doing the wrong I was giving the wrong advice mm. and that's a perfect example of, of where you know how much we need to be educated on it so I feel more positive what I do think needs to where I hope we're going to move to is a more overall positive narrative around the change in that it's the next step of life mm-hmm. so there was a study Normal. that was done and yeah and there was a study that was done which actually is that more women consider menopause a taboo now than they did two years ago mm. And it's mm. because even though it's being talked about more, it's being talked about in a very negative way, mm. um, all about how, you know, all the symptoms you're going to get that's going to ruin your life and you're going to feel dreadful and things like that. So more women are fearful of it than they were almost when they were just ignorant of what it was going <laughs> to wow. mean for them. So that's where I think I'm hopeful things will change a bit more mm. in that. Yes, don't get me wrong. We need to be very much aware of these of, of these symptoms. As in the UK, we say there's 48 symptoms of menopause. So it's very important. Yeah, that's a lot. Exactly. Mm. And, and, you know, that is that can make people very scared. And we need to be aware of that. And workplaces, for example, mm-hmm. then need to be more aware of that. And things and, and companies and, and society as a whole need to just realise it's part of normal you know every woman's going to go through it well pretty much nearly every woman's going to go through it so I do think that we need to be aware of those negatives but also look at it as a as a new phase of life for Mm -hmm. a lot of women so uh, but but overall I genuinely feel grateful for the work that I do and with how much is educating me on what menopause when when I presumably will go through menopause so I feel quite prepared in a way that mm. I hope more and more women become prepared. I don't see it as a, I mean, if I, like, you know, who knows, maybe I will get all the those difficult symptoms, but I don't, I feel there's a lot out there now to, that can support and can help. So overall, I feel quite optimistic about it. Which I think I is think. great. And yes, and we've been called, referring it uh, as our third act or our... That's the thing. It's, it's just yeah. another phase. It's and another so phase. There's, there's yeah. another phase in life. And, um, and you know, I am, I mean, I'm grateful that it's been talked about, say, even though some people do feel it's been talked about in a particularly negative way. Um, you know, again, it's the conversations out there and I can... Mm only imagine you know, I'm 31 so say I go through menopause in the you know in about 20 years I mean I'll go through perimenopause next in, in in about 10 years 10 15 years and then let's say you know statistically I go through it in about 20 years I can only imagine where we'll come will have come along by then mm. you know it's going to be but but I do want to educate more of my friends on it and get them to be more aware of it and students about it because mm. it's just a natural part of life yeah absolutely mm. and I think that awareness is is key because mm. there's so many health issues that are mm. potential negatives like big yeah. negatives you know bone density heart brain all of those yeah. things that being aware and knowing about it early younger mm-hmm. can you can take preventative steps right so that those things don't happen mm. Or the, they're minimised, yeah. and yep. so therefore they're not negatives. They're not big health issues it's that just they hope, might exactly. be. Mm. Yeah. And I think you know, so, so I was, you know, when I speak to women who've said, I know there's a big debate over HRT, but you know, some mm-hmm. have said those who have said that it did make a big difference for them. They said, oh, I, I wouldn't be without it. it. Yeah, mm. and 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 they've said to me honestly, I thought I was. I, one person said I genuinely thought I was going through early onset Alzheimer's mm. and then I realized it was this and I started taking and it made a difference and you know it's things like that I think mm-hmm. when those changes if they do happen to you start happening you're not hopefully going to have a massive freak out yeah uh, you know what to ask you, you know what to, to ask doctors. for when yeah. you go to the doctor and not just get me just describe you know being prescribed the wrong thing because you know that sadly the the doctors aren't yet fully you know particularly educated yeah. on it mm. and again I am generalizing that but you know there's still a long way to go there so I think as you say where awareness is is key here mm. yeah 
100 percent. well Jacinth, you are the most educated person. You're going to sail through peri and oh, menopause. I'm, I'm going to sure. be very. I'm go, I am going to be a bit overeducated. I mean, you can never be too educated, but who knows? Maybe when I'm when I'm fifty, like six or something, I'll be like talking about something completely different. But I That's feel right. uh, feel very very <laughs> grateful for the space and the women around me, like yourselves, like the lit women we talk about on social media, who just inspire me and give mm. me hope for the future. Yeah. Oh well, we're I'm inspired by you, so thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much so for much. talking to us. No, yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Oh my god, I kind of almost wish that I was thirty again, just so <laughs> that I could age alongside of. Jackson. I know. I was like, I just want you to come and live in my house and just talk to me all the time, um, and make me feel just amazing. But also, she's so articulate. And had so much great stuff to say about aging. Yes, yeah. I agree. I wish I had her knowledge and expertise 20 years ago. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I was really taken by the part where she was talking about their viral campaign. Mm, and I look my how, age. Mm. I know. And and how it went crazy and how she hadn't planned for that mm. because she actually booked herself on a holiday. And I just thought... It really struck me that sometimes the very best campaigns are the ones that just happen organically and Mm. you aren't expecting it. And look where it's taken her. It's incredible. It's funny because that campaign is what led me to Jacinth in the first place. And Mm -hmm. I did a story for Mamma Mia about that particular campaign and reached out to her on Instagram. And I couldn't believe it when I found out she was only 31. I was like, what? But it all makes sense, doesn't it? When you speak to her and you hear about how absolutely um, the story with her mum, I thought, what a what a fabulous story and what a great daughter she is to have yeah. kind of done all that based on wanting to help her her mum out. And now now her mum gets all these free amazing clothes. So it's just a win win. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll have fabulous daughters that will do that for me. I mean, yeah. I have fabulous daughters now, but I- <laughs> maybe one will go into fashion just for you, Kathy. I know, and just so I can get free clothes. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can, but dream. But yeah, she was a great guest, and oh, that was a really great chat. And we, we hope was. you took something away from that. I've certainly, I feel like I need to go and um, think some more on it. And I think I'm going to be awake long into the night tonight, just pondering some of the things she had yeah, to say. Me too. Thanks for listening to the Change, a fully independent podcast. Whether you're seeking inspiration, curious about change, or just here for the great banter. We'd love you to make The Change your new go-to podcast. And even better, send us your voice notes or questions about change. We'll use them on the show. Email us at changepod2023 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at the underscore change underscore pod. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram for more on The Change.